Galatians chapter 5, if you found your place in the copy of the Bible, I invite you to stand for the Word of God. And uh, Lord willing, the, the, way I, the way I wrote this down months ago, uh, I wrote uh, adultery and then next message would be divorce and remarriage. The next message would be purity. The next message will be modesty. Now, I can't promise that's the next four weeks, but, uh, but that is the order. And so uh, here we are in, in this. And so this is uncomfortable. Matter of fact, I was just scrolling through my notes while we were singing that song before fellowship time. Thinking, man, is there another message I could preach? Uh, so, uh, but this, I can't get away from it. And not that, that again, uh, we got to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. And so I want to do that. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before. As I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for the word of God. Thank you that it answers every one of our questions. God, you have the answer to every any of life's ills, any of life's problems, any of life's issues. You have the answer in your word. And Father, I pray, God, you'd help me tonight to preach the Word of God, to give out what the Bible has to say about this very uncomfortable topic, about this very thing that has really ruined the world, but also has ruined the church in many ways. And Father, I pray, God, you'd guard the marriages that are in this room. God, I pray you guard the marriages that are already in existence. But then there's young people in this room that, Lord willing, one day they're going to get married. And I pray, God, maybe what is said here tonight would help them and affect them for their future spouse. And I pray, God, that you just work in our heart. Let the Word of God, let the Word of God do a work that only it can do. I pray the Spirit of God, He would do the work that only He can do, that you would get glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing the Word of God. Now, we're dealing with the series is called What Does the Bible Say? And it is dealing with more uncomfortable topics, topics that are not very comfortable. And, and this particular topic, this, this particular thing, adultery, is uncomfortable because of a couple reasons. Number one, it's uncomfortable because of the nature of the sin. It's a sexual sin, so that's not very pleasant in itself to talk about those type things. And, and we're okay, we're okay with Hollywood talking about it and, and the television and the computer screen and the, the cell phone talking about it. But then let us see what the Bible says about it and we all kind of get weird about it. So it's the nature of the sin is uncomfortable. But then the numbers of the sin makes it uncomfortable. There are many, many, too many that have been affected by this particular sin. Many maybe in this room have been affected by it, maybe, by, maybe in your friends or maybe in your family, maybe in your own marriage. A lot of hurtful feelings could be brought up with this topic. So the numbers of the sin make it uncomfortable. Then the nearness of the sin. Listen here very closely. Every married person in this room has struggled with temptation. Every marriage has moments 
or opportunities to engage in this behavior. And so there is the nearness that this could happen to any one of us. This could happen to any marriage in this room. Even if we have been affected by it by our family members, our friends, or again, maybe in your own marriage, I'm not here to bring up a bunch of that. But there is the nearness of this sin that makes this uncomfortable. So I want to talk about it a little bit. Number one, what is adultery? Well, adultery is a violation of the marriage bed. Adultery is any unfaithfulness by one party within a marriage. Now let me just tune in right quick. You young people, listen to me. So I ain't married, I ain't got to listen to this. If you are unfaithful, you're not married, that's right. And so therefore, if you mess with somebody that's not your spouse, you are committing adultery. Amen. I'm glad. I'm thankful. I am thankful I had a football coach on a Wednesday morning at 7.30 in the morning that would meet with a couple of us boys with a Bible in his hand. And I'm glad he taught me that. I'm glad he showed me from the Word of God uh, that, that I wasn't supposed to mess with nobody until I got that, that, that to the marriage altar. Amen. And so this is for all of us in this room. So what is adultery? It's a violation of the marriage bed. Now, Adultery is the term used for the violation of the marriage bed. I believe this personally that the word fornication in our Bible is a broader word for all sexual sin. And, and, and in the scripture context, that would, that would cover every kind of sexual sin, fornication would. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus preached that adultery was more than a physical act of sin. That's what Jesus said. Take your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter number 5, Jesus said the desire to commit adultery is adultery in God's view. Matthew chapter number 5. Now this, if you have a red letter edition, I don't have a red letter edition, but you maybe do. If you have a red letter edition, these words are in the red letters. Meaning this is what Jesus said. There are many people that don't believe a lot of their Bible that at least believe what Jesus said was right. And so this is what Jesus said about it. Verse 27, Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard that was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So Jesus says the desire to commit adultery is adultery in God's view. Man says it is this violation. It is a physical act. God says it goes beyond the physical act. That would include pornography and everything that flows out of that type of entanglement is automatic sin. When you look on someone that is not your spouse in, in lust, you are committing adultery. That's according to the word of God. I don't have to have a Greek lexicon to figure that out. I didn't have to read a commentary. Jesus said it plainly here that when a man looks on a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Now, there is the desire to commit adultery. But then there is what our culture today would call an emotional affair. An emotional affair. I believe that an emotional affair is simply just adultery in the heart. It is a violation of the marriage commitment. 
Now, in the marriage commitment, the vows that you make to your spouse, there is a commitment of exclusivity. Exclusivity, meaning this, your heart, your mind, your soul, your body are pledged to each other for life. See if these words sound familiar. Do you promise to love him, comfort him, submit to him, honor and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, keep thee only unto him, so long as you both shall live? The correct answer was, I do. <laughs> and so in our, in our vows we make to one another, maybe your vows were worded maybe a little bit different, but they would have had something in there about exclusivity that, that I am keeping myself only for my spouse. I am giving myself only to my spouse. My heart, my mind, my soul, my body, they are hers if you're a man. They are his if you're a lady. So what does an emotional affair, I believe this, I believe this, an emotional affair always precedes a physical affair. It is still adultery, it is still wrong, it is still a sin, but this always starts first before the physical, I say always, I guess there could be a a sense where it doesn't, but more than likely this happens first. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. When most conversations with someone are kept secret from your spouse. You're in an emotional affair. When you say things to someone that you would never say in front of your spouse, you might be in an emotional affair. When you make a point to arrange private talk times with someone that's not your spouse, you might be in an emotional affair. When you share things with someone that you don't even share with your spouse, you might be in an emotional affair. Now let me just stop right here. I got several more on this list, but let me just say this. Just because I'm preaching this don't mean nobody's guilty of this. But just because I'm preaching this doesn't mean that none of us are capable of being guilty of this. Are you listening? So don't think just for me, I'm not that spiritual, okay? Don't think, well, a preacher preached on somebody must be cheating on somebody. That don't mean that. But you know what I don't want? I don't want that happening in this church. This ought to be a pure place. Amen. And so I don't want it happening in this church. So, so, so anyway, let's go on. When conversations turn into inappropriate topics that should only be discussed between marriage partners, you might be in an emotional affair. You have to ask the question, do you avoid telling your spouse how much time you spend talking to that certain person? Do you tell that person more about your day than you do your spouse? Do you talk to that person about your marital dissatisfaction? You might be in an emotional affair. Do you ready your appearance to see them? Do you make sure everything's looking good before you see them? Some of y'all, ain't nothing going to help, all right? Especially all you ugly men, including myself. Now watch this. Would you feel guilty if your spouse saw you with that person? You might be in an emotional affair. And the world would say, ah, ah, I hate nothing. Come on now. You're just a legalistic. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I am. I'd rather be legal than illegal. 
Amen. Jesus said, if you have a desire in your heart to be with that person that is not your spouse, you look on her in lust. You look on her with lust. To lust after her is what the Bible says. You long to be with her. You have a desire. You have committed adultery in your heart already. There is certain flirting and fellowship that is reserved for the one person and one person only, and that is your spouse. Amen. Amen. There is some flirting and fellowship that is only reserved for the person that you marry. And watch this. It's only reserved after you're married. There's some flirting and fellowship. Amen. Now, I'm not saying y'all know. Hey, there's some flirting that goes on beforehand. But there's some kinds of flirting and some kind of fellowship. And it only takes place, biblically, it only should be after you're married. Amen. I want you to understand. Adultery is a sin. It is a sin. And it is a sin against the entire Godhead. You say, what do you mean? Well, it is a sin against the Father. The Father said in Exodus chapter 20, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the seventh commandment that God gave to the nation of Israel, and which, by the way, those commandments are still intact today, those moral commandments. So you have sinned against God the Father. Take your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And we'll see that not only is it a sin against God the Father, it is a sin against God the Son. You say, how's that? Well, let's look. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse number 15. The Bible says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of, what's that next word say? Christ. Everybody say that. Know ye not that, you, know ye not that your bodies are the members of who? Christ. Watch what he says. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. I could just hear Paul preaching that. The, the adultery is a sin against the Father. It's a violation of the seventh commandment. But adultery is a, a, a sin against the Son because your body, that's what the Bible says, your body is the member of Christ and they are not to be joined with someone in violation of marriage. So you're sinned against the Son. Look on to verse number 19. Same chapter, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Your adultery is sin against the Holy Spirit. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which you have of God? Watch this. And ye are not your own. Adultery is a sin against the entire Godhead. It is against the Father's seventh commandment. It is against the being a member of Christ himself. And it is against the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you if you are truly born again. So here's a question. Why is adultery so prevalent in our society today? Well, number one, it is promoted by our culture in entertainment and music. You know what the leading story has been for the last two weeks 
surrounding the NFL? You know what it's been? It has not been about statistics. It's not, about, it's not been about who's the greatest quarterback since Tom Brady has retired. It has not been who is going to be the best running back now that Nick Chubb is uh, hurt. And some of you think, I don't know who these people are. That's okay. I, but it's not about who's going to win the Super Bowl. You know what it's been about? It's been about a, 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 a tight end and his girlfriend. It's been about a football player and his supposed to be country, pop, rap, hip-hop, ungodly, worldly girlfriend singer. That's all it's been about. I don't even watch NFL football hardly. I definitely don't listen to ungodly music. And my news feed is filled with this junk. It's promoted. It's pr adultery is promoted. Who's on their next husband? Who's on their next wife? Who's on their next girlfriend? Who's on their next boyfriend? That's, uh, the world, it, 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 it promotes it. A couple years ago, I had a parent sit across my office, the desk uh, uh, in my office, interviewing to come to our school, wanting their, their child to come to our school. And I said, well, here, here's a question. Why do you want them to leave the school they're in and come here? And this is what she said. She said, my son is in the sixth grade. They are requiring him to read a book. And in this book, it is about a man who comes home every night, drinks a glass of whiskey, and has a promiscuous relationship with another woman other than his wife. She said this, I don't want my son to think it's okay to drink alcohol and to commit adultery on his wife. I want my son to be raised to know that's a sin and that's against the will of God. And watch this, she wasn't even an independent Baptist. She went to a church we wouldn't have no fellowship with. And I said, can I record that? I said, you've got more sense than a bunch of people I know. She said, my son, her son, is a, is a, a, her family has been a bit, her son doesn't even know who his real daddy is because of a alcohol and adultery. And her life has been a wreck because of alcohol. And this is what she said. She said, I don't want my son to read a book about it and think it's okay. See, it has been promoted in entertainment, in music, in, in movies, in Hollywood. Hey, in the, in the government altogether. It's promoted. It is promoted. Then it's acceptable in our culture. Almost considered normal. I heard a preacher talking about it one time. And he said, he said, I, I guarantee 95% of our marriages in our church have had an adulterous affairs. And I, I said, I hope to God that ain't true about our church. I don't know that it is, and I ain't going to snoop around to find out. But he said it so nonchalant. I thought, if you really believe that, it ought to break your heart to think that the people of God would be involved in that kind of stuff. It's so promoted and it's so just, well, that's just the way it is. It's so accepted. It's considered no, normal. And watch this. People nowadays have a much broader base of support to commit the act. Right? Well, I know, I know. He's so mean to you. So you had every right to go off and be with another man. I know, I know. She burnt your toast and you had every right to go get another woman. Everybody just, you're the victim. You're the victim. You're the one that's been done wrong. And God says, uh-uh. No. 
had two people wanting me to marry them one time. They want not me to marry them. You all get what I'm saying. Preacher, do the vows, okay? I've only married one. She's somewhere, okay? They wanted me to do the wedding. How do you, I don't even know how you say that. Anyway, do the wedding. That's good. Anyways, the man had been divorced and remarried four times. The woman had been divorced and remarried four times. And I looked at them, I said, y'all think it's going to work this time? I looked at her and I said, you think all them times was the other woman's fault? The woman's fault? She said, I haven't thought about it. I said, I figured you hadn't, you wouldn't got this far in this thing. I said, you think all of them's been the men's fault? I said, I go and tell you about him every time he's gotten one. It's because he's ran off with another woman. He's going to do it to you too. Somebody says, oh, just okay. It's so accepted. And everybody's got this support base to commit the act. But watch this. Here's another reason I think it's so prevalent in our society today. Here it is. Is the proximity of men and women in our society. In the workplace. And on the internet. Most adulterous affairs begin at the workplace. And I ain't going to just harp and harp on this. But I've heard my preacher say it once or twice. That if the woman went back to the house. Every man would have a job. Every kid would have a mama. And most affairs would be nipped in the bud. I say amen. Because most of them start there. But watch this, not only the workplace, but I'll tell you the internet. All these ways to hide stuff, all these ways to, to, to incognito search all this stuff. Listen, 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 listen. Your parents, young people, and your spouse, older people, may not catch you, but there's an all-seeing eye. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. And guess what? His judgment, it may, not be sw- it may not be swift right away, but it is sure. He will judge you for your sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. And you can hide it from every person on the planet. But you ain't going to hide it from God. And God will expose it some way, somehow. Let me just say this, and then I'm going to move on. I've got, I've got a couple points, but I'm going to say this to our young people. You, again, you might turn off and say, this ain't for me, but let me say this, young person, if, if that girl or boy that you're talking to will sneak around their parents to talk to you, one day they will sneak around you to talk to someone else. You better mark my words. This is not stuff I'm proud of being right on, but I've been right a whole lot more than I've been wrong on it. I've been dealing with people a long time. I've been dealing with young people a long time. But I promise you, if if that girl or that boy, whoever you're talking to, will go against daddy or go against mama saying, y'all can't be together, y'all can't talk, and they'll sneak around to talk to you, then they will sneak around you to talk to some other dude or some other girl. It will happen. It happens. It happens. And I don't care if you're married or not, but it'll happen. I know a couple, because they've been, they've been divorced a long time. When I talked to that lady... I I said, how long had these affairs, I knew of four or five different affairs in their life, and she said this, she said, months before we even got married the first time I found out about it. And I just looked at her, and this is family, I said, and you were stupid enough to marry her? 
is listen. Before you're married, there ain't no vow. Amen. There ain't no commitment. But you'll cheat around and sneak around before marriage. They're going to be sneaking around after marriage, more than likely. Unless they get, unless they get a good dose of the Holy Ghost, they're going, they going to. So the proximity. There's no way we could ever cover every aspect of adultery, but here's just a few things I want to give you. Number one, the origin of adultery. It's found in our text verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 19, is a product, adultery is a product of our flesh. If you're, if you, I don't know where you're at right now, but go back to Galatians chapter number 5, if you will. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. Verse 17 says this, for the, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. He said there's a war going on and it's flesh against spirit and it's flesh against spirit. And then in verse number 19 he says this, and there's some manifestations of the flesh. Can I say it like that? There's some fruit of the flesh and the number one fruit is adultery. The number one fruit of the flesh is adultery. Listen, it is a work of the flesh, not a work of the spirit. See, flesh produces one thing, spirit, something totally different. Now, I won't turn to every Bible verse because I don't want to, uh, to turn time, but I don't, wanna, I don't wanna take so much time, but Matthew 15, verses 17 through 20, you ought to write these down and go back to it later. Jesus tells us that adultery comes out of our wicked hearts out of our hearts Galatians says it come out of our it's a it's a work of the flesh so here's the thing y'all listen adultery is not a product of culture it's not a product of the seductress it's not a product of Hollywood or pornography or anything that goes into our hearts adultery it comes out of our hearts listen our hearts are desperately wicked. So the origins of adultery is the flesh, it's the heart. Number two, the outcome of adultery. Would you take your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5? Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7 deals with the strange woman. And may I say to you, young ladies, it would, it would go to say for the strange man as well. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. And Solomon is warning about his son, about the dangers and destructive outcomes of adultery. Would you look at verse, chapter 5, verse number 9? I want to look at several verses in chapter 5, 6, and 7. But chapter 5, verse number 9, it says this, Lest thou give thy honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. Look at chapter 6 and verse number 33. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. You know what adultery will do? The outcome of adultery, number one, it removes your honor. It robs you of being honorable. Number two, it robs you of wealth and possessions. Look in chapter 5, verse 10. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. It robs you of your wealth and your possessions. Verse number 11 of chapter 5 says, And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. It has physical consequences. Adultery does. And then, look in chapter 6 in verse 32. It destroys your soul. Verse number 32 of chapter 6. But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. 
You know what your soul is. That's, that, that deals with your emotional self. It destroys your soul. It makes you somebody different. And, of course, that doesn't even talk about the impact it has on your family. Here's, here's a quote from Adrian Rogers, the great preacher of yesteryear. He said this, A man committing adultery says to his children, Your mother is not worth much, and your father is a cheat and a liar. Honor is not as important as pleasure, and my satisfaction is more important than you. I'll read that again. That's what a man committing, that's what Adrian Rogers said. A man committing adultery says to his children, Your mother is not worth much, your father is a cheat and a liar. Honor is not as important as pleasure, and my satisfaction is more important than you. Adultery is to a home as, an, as the atom bomb was to Hiroshima. Totally devastating. It shakes the security of the children. And it wipes out trust and intimacy in a marriage. See, the temptation of adultery offers a prize, but it always has a price. It is sacrificing the sacred on the altar of sensual. And it is never, ever, ever worth it. The outcomes of adultery. What about the opposings of adultery? Here's where you ought to tune in. How do we guard our lives? How do we guard our marriages against this costly sin? How do you young people that are unmarried yet, how do you avoid falling into this trap? How do you guard your life from this? And, and let me say this, that we ought to be concerned about putting these guards up in our lives. Every, every married home ought to. And every young person ought to. And, and I'll say this, young person, if you're not worried about that, I will say this, I will venture to say, it is because you don't have the Spirit of God in you because the Spirit of God on the inside ought to yearn for you to be pure and for your spouse to be pure on your wedding day. So how do I guard my life? Number one, you walk in the Spirit. I reread Galatians 5 and 17 and 5 and 19 and 5 and 20 and 5 and 21, but 5 and 5, 16, Galatians 5, 16 says this, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh y'all believe the bible y'all believe the bible is true y'all believe that amen can i get a hearty amen all right all right so y'all believe every word's right okay it says walk in the spirit and thou and 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 ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh then if that's true and it is I can honest I can say this I think the deductive reason tells me this no spirit-filled persons ever committed adultery now you may have seen some people you thought had the Spirit of God on them committing adultery but they had the spirit of performance I've had them tell me but that man I seen him preach with the power of God on him and then we found out later he was cheating on his wife he didn't have the power of God on him he had performance and may I say this, the word of God will not return void. I don't care if it's a donkey braying it out. Amen. Or a rooster cock-a-doodle-doodle it out. The word of God will not return void. Okay, there's power in that Bible. But a spirit-filled person, you cannot walk in the spirit and fulfill the lust at the same time according to the Bible. So, therefore, if you're walking in the spirit, you cannot commit adultery. 
Listen, this one struggle of walking in the Spirit, this one struggle replaces all other struggles. How do I avoid this sin? Walk in the Spirit. How do I avoid this sin? Fill in the blank for this sin, whatever your sin is. How do I avoid? I walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. So if I can struggle with maintaining that walk with God and that walk in the Spirit, then I can avoid those other struggles in my life. Red flags. Remember last Sunday night? I'll say this, those of you who weren't here last Sunday night, you ought to get a copy of the message on the podcast or the website, and it's not because of who preached it, but God sent some red flag warnings to us. And walking in the Spirit, that one struggle removes and replaces all the other struggles in my life. So number one, walk in the Spirit. Number two, guard your mind. Listen, what you allow to be mentally acceptable will become physically possible. Y'all hear me? What you allow to be mentally acceptable will become physically possible. You start dwelling on that. You start thinking on that. You start scheming on that. You start thinking about how you can make this happen, how you can make that happen, and it won't be long. Physically, that stuff's going to show up, and you're going to be able to do it. You're going to be, and that all of a sudden, when that temptation and that opportunity meet, there's trouble. There's trouble. So, what do you got to do? You got to guard your mind. See, your mind is a breeding ground for action. Proverbs 6.32, I read it to you. That man that committeth adultery lacketh understanding. He's not guarding his mind. Listen, there is always, always a lie believed underneath every sin committed. There is always a lie believed underneath every sin committed. Belief determines behavior. So if your mind's not right, eventually you ain't going to be right. It may not be all of a sudden, but it won't be long. That's why the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, Finally, my brethren, if there be any, uh, uh, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good rapport, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Why? Because your mind is a battlefield. And if you don't guard your mind, it won't be long. You won't be able to control your body. Here's the lies that are associated with adultery. It's used itself like this. Well, I deserve this. I need this to be happy. Just honoring God doesn't satisfy me enough. Guard your mind. Let me just say this. Guarding your mind means guarding your eye gate and your ear gate. Somebody always that. See, if I preach on rap music and rock music in the South, it's usually a hearty amen and nobody asks questions. Nowadays, you can't tell the difference anyway. But somebody, I always get somebody, I always get somebody, when I preach hard against country music, they'll say, what's so bad about listening to country music? <laughs> That's usually how they talk, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I say this, what business do I have Listen to somebody sing about somebody else's wife. She ain't mine. What business do I have? It's just a love song. No, it's a lust song. Amen. 
Hello, Tokyo. And the stuff that I'm loving on my wife, telling my wife, ain't the world's business. Amen. Hey, listen, love is a closed door. Amen. It ain't, it ain't for the world to see. And so I ought not be listening to that man sing about that woman or you don't need to be listening to that woman sing about that man because that ain't your wife. That ain't your husband. You don't, you don't guard that gear gate. Again, you don't guard your mind. You won't be able to control your body. Number three, watch this. And this is to us married folks. Listen to me. Stay in love and stay close to your spouse. One of God's intended purposes for intimacy is to guard against sexual immorality. I'm not going to deal with this because we, but 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 through 5, Proverbs chapter 5 verse 15 through 20 tells us that God has designed the intimacy between a married couple is to, one of those reasons is to guard them from sexual immorality. And here's the thing. Real love's not a feeling. Love is not how you make somebody, how somebody makes you feel or how you make somebody else feel. Listen, I wrote this on the board on Friday in our Bible class because we were talking about God's love and how God gives that love to us. Here's this. Lust is getting. Love is giving. You many, many people lust after others, but very few love each other. Love's not a feeling. Love's not an emotion. Love is not how someone makes you feel. Real godly love is a commitment to someone no matter what their situation is. Not about what you can get out of it. Not about what they can get out of it. Real love. Real, and so you know what you Stay in love. Stay close to your spouse. I'll be honest with you. If your marriage ain't been made fun of by this world, you probably ain't doing it right. Amen. Y'all always together. Now, me and my wife, she ain't in here yet. Well, she ain't in here. Uh, but, 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 and she probably, she may complain of this to her family, and they're here. But I don't like PDA. Y'all know what PDA is? Public display of affection. I just, I'm not that kind. I'm not like smoochy, smoochy, huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy out in public, you know? So it's a big deal for her for me just to switch over and grab her hand and us walk. <laughs> I just, I mean, she's like, whoa, wow, what did I do to deserve that? You know, I must not like it, you know, because I just feel like that stuff's supposed to be between me and her, okay? Now, my kids now, they sneak in on the kitchen sometimes. They go, oh, that's nasty. And, and so, and, uh, and, and I'm going to get my smooch in the kitchen, okay? Amen. And so I'm not saying you got to be a pu this public, oh, can I, can I say this? This ain't in the notes. Can I say this? And I don't see nobody in here doing this kind of stuff, so don't, don't take that. But I'll say this. There's two things that really bother me on social media. Can I, can I vent for a minute? Number one, if you've got to brag about your relationship with God all over Facebook, you probably don't have a relationship with God. Okay, I thought that'd go over better. Number two, if you've got to brag on your relationship with your spouse all over Facebook all the time, talking about how they're the best person in the world, you probably don't have that great of a relationship. Because what I find about both of those situations, using the same person, both of, both of those situations, they never tell God that stuff, and they never tell their spouse that stuff. And they have to make it look better on the outside. Because everybody that really knows them knows. <laughs> that ain't the way y'all was cussing each other out the other day. 
the families over there, the in-laws and the outlaws are like, that ain't what she called and told me. <laughs> right? That ain't what he said about her at work. <laughs> right? And so I'm not saying you got to go all out public display. I am saying this, though. Your spouse ought to know you love them. Amen. You ought to affirm that love. Hey, watch this. You ought to learn their love language. I ain't even good sending them in the notes, but let me help you for a minute. You ought to love, you'll find out their love language. Mine and my wife's love language are totally different. On purpose. I believe God puts that kind of stuff together. Mine are acts of service. So this morning, I came over here very early. I got and, and, and before and, and I got over here very early, and then I got and I went back to the house and I saw that white iron dress shirt hanging in the little breezeway between the, the whatever them rooms are called. I said, "Man, she loves me." That's all it took. I'm pretty easy, please. Hallelujah! I got an iron shirt. Hey, listen. In the morning, when I'm getting my shower, and all of a sudden, I smell that black coffee. Woo! She loves me. That's all I need. That's all I need. But my wife, on the other hand, she needs the little flowers. And she needs the little card. And every now and then, just stop by and get me a Coke Zero and a Reese cup. Right? And just every now and then, just tell me that you love me. And you know what? I could probably live a lifetime without ever hearing I love you as long as my iron shirt's ready and my coffee's ready. I'm good. And there's times I forget that. And there's times she'll say, you ain't even told me you love me today. I'm like, I went to work this morning. I came home. I'm here now. That's, I love you. I don't say that no more. I learned early on. Don't say that stuff. Because our love language is different. So you've got to learn your love language. Learn that love language. And so, that all went under the point of stay in love and stay close. Number, number next, I don't know where. Fear God. Proverbs 5.21 says this, For the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord. He pondereth all his goings. I've already said it, and I'm not going to belabor the point, but your spouse may not ever find out about it. But God knows. So you fear God. You fear God and that will help you oppose adultery. But last thing I'm done, how to be an overcomer of adultery. I want you to understand this tonight. Adultery is not the unforgivable sin. Adultery does not have to be the end of a marriage. So what do overcomers of adultery do? Number one, have true repentance. Stop blame shifting. Well, if you'd have done this, if they'd have done that, just take responsibility and repent. I'm talking about the guilty party. Have full honesty and a full confession. See, the innocent party, the innocent party needs that to heal because all of a sudden, if they, if they, if it, it comes to light or whatever, all of a sudden they're going to try to piece all of the story together and they're going to try to figure all of this stuff out. If, if you're just completely honest. It removes a lot of that. And then, for the, guilt, for the innocent party, experience the miracle of forgiveness. For Christ's sake. He's forgiven us of a whole lot worse sin against Him. So for Christ's sake, experience the miracle of forgiveness. And then, guilty party, 
has to be long-suffering and patient because it takes a lot of time to rebuild trust. So let that happen. I'll say this, the guilty party. Fully submit to accountability. Can I just put another plug in that ain't in the notes? I believe you ought to be fully accountable before it happens. i just be honest with you. I personally, this is not because I'm better than nobody, it's because I feel like I'm worse than most people. I personally do not have anything connected to the internet that is not fully accountable. I pay, I think, $15 a month. That I, I am going to budget in. I'm going to make sure I have $15 a month to pay for a, a, a program called Covenant Eyes. And Covenant Eyes watches every single one of my internet devices. This tablet right now is being monitored by Covenant Eyes. My, my cell phone, my desktop over there in the house, my laptop in the office back there, every device I have on the internet. Is being watched. You know who my accountability partner is? My wife. I have other accountability partners I talked to. I told you all last week, Brother Chris Hewitt's an accountability partner. My, but I didn't want my stuff to go to someone that I could easily lie to. Or scoot under the rug. I wanted to go to somebody that I know if I was to. And I know God sees all that stuff anyway. But I wanted to see. I want, Hey, it'll hurt. She sees that. That I think about that screen time. I think about what may pop up on that screen. What may show up on that screen. And I think about do I want to hurt my bride like that? I remember when I first got internet devices. I remember having a, I had a flip phone forever. Because I was so scared of the internet. Now, I, I used the internet for work. But I was scared of having it on my own. Because I, I come from a long line of men who were womanizers. It's one of the, and it's another message for another, it's one of the familiar curses, spirits on my family. And I didn't want to fall. And I remember hearing preaching on a covenant eyes device. I said, if we can get that, we can go, I'll go to smartphones. And I just don't want to risk. You say, oh, it's because you're in ministry, you don't want to get out of the ministry. No, no, it's bigger than that. There's a family right now, a marriage that is busted up right now. And probably, I don't know if the divorce may be already final. The boy's family has called me. I've talked to the girl, the young lady's family, and I've talked to the young man's family. The young boy's family has called me about this situation. They're not anywhere close. They're not in our church. They're not even in this county, okay? But they have called me, and here's all they want to say. This is going to ruin his ministry. This is going to ruin his ministry. This is, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I got sick and tired of hearing that. And I said, hey, 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 hey. It's ruining their marriage. Forget the ministry for a minute. Forget the opportunities that he was going to have. Forget what all these things that he had lined up to do in the ministry. His marriage is being ruined. And you're worried about him not getting to preach. I don't worry about the ministry. As much as I worry about my bride and my baby, because I know personally what it's like to be raised in a home where, where for the first 10 years of my life, if daddy wasn't home, we was wondering if he's off with somebody else. I'm not proud of that. I'm not trying to dishonor my daddy. 
I know what it's like to be a child. That, 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 that adultery has ruined the home. So to take time, fully submit to accountability and then be willing to build back on biblical foundations that will protect your marriage from adultery in the future. Here's what I believe we ought to do tonight. I believe all the married couples ought to find a place, whether it be in the altar or in the pew, all the married couples ought to get together and pray. And then I believe you young people that are not married yet, you single people that are not married yet, I believe you ought to pray. You ought to pray, number one, that God would protect you. And listen to me, God is only going to go so far. He's not going to make you stay pure. I'm going to deal with a purity along that line later on, but I'm telling God's he, can't, he ain't going to make you do it. You're going to have to make some choices. You ought to pray God to keep you pure, that you will stay pure and that your spouse, your future spouse will stay pure. And we ought to pray for one another. There's a church in a neighboring county that, that when you hear that name of that church, and, and y'all may not even know this church, but this church is synonymous in that county. Well, that's that church where they got all them, all that wife swapping and adultery and all that, that all goes on over there. Nobody does nothing about it. God forbid that ever be the case at the White Graves Baptist Church. God forbid, God forbid us hearing of another Christian home destroyed by the sin of adultery.